Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Hey, good morning. Brand new series, Do You Even Lift Breweries? And the, uh, the, that's, a, that's, a, that's a given. And we've launched uh, today to coincide with our new series and the, uh, this week, anticipated onset of Cooler Climbs, our first uh, item of Elevate Church merch, um, a winter hoodie, which I am, of course, wearing, and it looks gorgeous on me. <laughs> we, uh, we ordered 12. Now there are 11. Louise bags one, so there's 10, and they're available as well, so you can wear them. This falls in the category of athleisure. Is everyone familiar with the phrase athleisure? It's like yoga pants. You can wear them in the yoga studio, but most people choose to wear them at Woolies instead. So this is this is such an item. It's athleisure. Do you wear this? And people will look at you and ask the question, do you even lift? Bro, this phrase kind of came around in the early days of the internet. The early days of the internet, Jared had only just uh, finished inventing it. It was very raw. And in that time, uh, the kind of the things you'd be able to do on the internet were a bit limited, limited to kind of like chat rooms, um, message forums, bulletin boards, that sort of thing. And, uh, and so some people would create like bodybuilding and weightlifting chat rooms and forums and someone would get on there and say, hey, bros, uh, could someone give me a, a cool way to build my Maria delts because they're, they're falling behind my, my anterior delts. And people would say, yeah, yeah, do this. And someone else would say this. And someone would say this. And then someone would invariably put up a, just a stupid thing, like a, a knucklehead thing. The way to build your delts is to do ankle curls. And then, and then people would just pile on with the phrase, do you even lift, bro? Because it's obvious with that knucklehead advice, you don't even have a gym membership. So you're banned from this forum. This was the, the thing. But actually, that phrase has now made it out into the wild. It's graduated beyond the internet. And uh, you can go to most gyms around the world and there will be this guy. He will be wearing a Gold's Gym uh, singlet with the little string kind of uh, top bits, whatever they're called on a singlet. He'll have sweatpants He'll have a protein shake. He'll have a, a kidney weightlifting belt over his shoulder. He'll have the fingerless gloves. Uh, he'll probably have some form of a mullet. And, uh, and it's, just, it's, hey, it's just, just observation, not criticism, all right? Hear me, hear me out here. But that guy exists in most gyms around the world. And he will be in your gym for an hour. And he will have filled that hour with one hour of very animated conversations with all of his gym buddies who at the end of, that work, of, the, of their workout for the hour that he's been there, they'll say to him, do you even lift? Which the answer is no. One of the mistakes that some gym goers make is they actually, if they go to the gym, because by the way, owning a gym membership and, and, and attending are actually two separate things. Uh, people that actually go to the gym, one of the mistakes that some people make is going to the gym and doing the exact same thing in the exact same way every single time. And what you will find, because the body likes homeostasis, what you'll find is you won't actually 
make any progress or, as we like to say, you won't make any gains. That's gains with a Z, obviously. Uh, You won't actually make any gains if you don't regularly allow yourself or decide to go outside of your comfort zone. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And that's not just a principle that applies in the gym. That is a principle that applies to church people. So you can have the highest attendance record, because again, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm part of a church. It's a different thing to actually attend. But you can even have the highest attendance record. You can actually own the biggest, heaviest Bible. You can kind of do all the kind of motions. But if you don't go outside of here, and regularly put in the work, the extra, step outside of your comfort zone, then here's the thing. You won't, this is it. I'm not saying this is what I want for you. In fact, it's the opposite of what I want for you. But the reality is, if you just do the same things in the same way every single time and live always 24-7, 365 inside your comfort zone, and don't do the things that God calls you to do to step out in faith, because why, why do we need faith if we're just doing the same things we've already proven we're good at? We won't experience, we won't make the gains. Now, unless you've been living under a rock for the last decade, you would probably aware, be aware that one of the most uh, prevalent uh, fitness trends that has taken off, is going to blow up globally, is CrossFit. And one of the reasons that CrossFit has kind of become such a thing amongst the fitness community is people actually are experiencing transformation from doing CrossFit. And thanks to social media, they're very happy to post you, uh, you don't even get a warning, a before and after photo of themselves before CrossFit and after CrossFit. This is one of my favorites here. Uh, So, and and when... celebratory drink. (laughs) I knew that one would kill it. Visual gags that slay, Jordan. They're pretty good stuff. So, um, and people see this and they think, man, if that can happen for him or her, probably that can happen for me. And they just kind of, you know, like moth to a flame, get into the CrossFit gym. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about CrossFit. If you do the work, you will actually experience transformation. Because the premise that CrossFit's built on is that they have a thing called WADs, workout of the day. And every single day globally, a WAD is generated by CrossFit HQ, and it is different from one day to the next. It's, it, it's deliberately designed because, again, our bodies like homeostasis. It's deliberately designed to, to, to require the participants to do something they've never done before or to do something they may have done before in a different way, or to do it extra. And because they're continually stepping outside of their comfort zone, their body's going, oh, what, what, what? And their body has to transform to make the new adaptations that the workout's designed. Things like AMRAPs, AMRAPs, AMRAPs. They say to you, okay, today, one of the slices of the workout is AMRAP. For one minute, I want you to do air squats. Air squats, AMRAPs, as many reps as possible. And what has happened is the last time that came in in the context of a workout, air squats, AMRAPs, your instructor will have counted and recorded how many you did. So you did 37, everyone goes, yeah, 37, no. And then when you come, when that appears in the context of a wad, the next time you're encouraged to try and beat 37, not to just do another 37, 
but to try and do maybe this time 39. And when you do that, boom, yeah. And your body says, whoa, this is new. This is a stimulus I haven't experienced before. And our bodies will actually absorb that stimulus and cause the transformation. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. So one of the keys to making gains in the gym and in following Jesus is regularly do hard things. Now this week, this, we're launching a series, Do You Even Lift? It's a three-week series. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to elevate your influence. Week three, we're gonna talk about how to elevate your grit. Today, we're gonna talk about how to elevate your attitude. Now listen to me carefully. We're gonna be teaching today about how to elevate your attitude. So no elbow digging to your spouse. This message is not elevate their attitude. It's elevate your attitude. What is God gonna say to you to allow you to lift and elevate your attitude? And we're gonna take this from something that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. So if you've got our app, uh, you can tap the Bible title. It's gonna take you to a slice of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Now, Paul was one of the early church leaders. He, he, he launched new churches. Actually, this was one of the churches he didn't actually launch. In fact, God used the existing Roman network, new technology of the day, to eventually allow the message of Jesus' resurrection to make its way to Rome, and a church sprung up in the epicenter of the Roman Republic, which was actually the epicenter of the known world in that time. Very, very exciting how God does that. And so Paul wrote them a letter. This is a slice of that letter. And we're actually going to, uh, over these three weeks, actually drill into just this exact same slice for three weeks. So if you think when you read your Bible, read it, scroll, read it, scroll, read it. No, you know, God's Word is living and active and you can come back and read something that you've, you've read before and God can bring something fresh and more and deeper and broader. So that's gonna be exciting. I'm looking forward to teaching that. Really today is an extension of our Mastermind series. We've, apart from having Randy last week, we had a four-week series called Mastermind. And I gotta tell you, I, I can't, I was telling our team this morning, I personally can't remember a teaching series that I've uh, received as much positive and encouraging feedback than our Mastermind series, messages of people saying, man, I didn't know that. That was revelation for me. Boy, I'm so glad I learned that. You know, that took, I took that and I ran with that. I started this, I changed this. I st- and it just went on and on and on. People reading the Bible plan, the four week, or the one week Bible plan. I encourage people read it, seven day Bible plan. Read it from front to back, week one, and then start again. Maybe change to a different version, week two. Different version, week three. Um, the Bible app allows you to actually join uh, with uh, other friends. So we had people from Elevate all kind of uh, in that same plan, reading it, and you can make notes, and the other people see your notes and encourage one another. Very, very, uh, very, very cool. Um, we launched our resource center. That was a new thing. We put some books. Just We're not trying to become a bookstore, but just a couple of curated books. We thought, you know, these would really help for further study and, and further life impact. And there's still a few left, but we had to reorder uh, a bunch of those books. And we had a counseling, Christian counseling service come in and just kind of put up a flag and say, hey, we're here. If any time you, you need us, uh, let us know. And we're the sort of church where if you need counseling, we're not gonna walk past you and go, <laughs> wonder what they're dealing with. <laughs> We're gonna be like, 
so good. How can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? You're actually so uh, wise for taking that sort of step. And, and so I had our team who just walked into the foyer where they were and, and had a very brief stand-up conversation. And in that conversation, they said that, that she was able to just highlight one thing from my past. And I was like, poor, a blind spot that I've been carrying around. It's been holding me back. And, and, and just in a two-minute conversation, and, and I was like, and I'm on holidays, you know, but like mostly if I'm on holidays, leave me alone. But this sort of stuff, send it. And uh, I read it and it's so encouraging. Elevate Youth. Our Elevate Youth run every two weeks. We have Elevate Groups on a Sunday, 11.30 to 12.30. They're happening today for our high schoolers. And they actually talk around the, the content from our adult life experience. We don't dumb it down for them. We say, you know, this stuff applies for you in your teenage years. In fact, and this was the feedback I got from our team there, helping these teenagers start to think about what they think about while they're in that age and stage of life development is going to be absolutely revolutionary into their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. Um, I got uh, uh, Brando, who, uh, by the way, doing a great job, Brando. Shrek timing, perfect. Uh, Brando sent me uh, a Facebook message that he'd got from a buddy of his in the UK, Hey, mate, that's Brando. Don't call me mate. I've been called mate, but you can call Brando, mate. Hey, mate, just listen to the message your pastor preached, that's me, a few weeks back. Week one in the series on thinking and your mind. Great message, exclamation mark. I agree. Awesome truth and some great things to get me thinking about in my own life. And if the rest, this is, I love this. If the rest of the church, this is you, think about this for a minute. If the rest of the church is like your pastor's preaching, then I'm sure it's an incredible church, bro. Nice find, well done. How good is that? God's taking this, what he's doing here, and he's, and he's expanding and extending the, the influence and the impact around the world. So good. Change your thinking, change your life. All right, let's get into Paul's Letter, verse one. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let me drill into two things here. One, Paul says, give your bodies to God. Now, this is intended as a metaphor. Paul was actually encouraging them to give everything to God, to, to, to go all in. In fact, as Elevate Church, we talk about all in. I sign all my emails off, all in. Our team leaders, all in. Because all in is the normal response to Jesus who went all in for us, who abandoned heaven, gave his life as a human for us. The only response that, that, that makes any sense is to go all in, give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Go all in. And that phrase actually comes from poker. Now, I'm not a gambling person, so I'm going to tell you how it works, but I don't really know. And if you are a gambling person, well, just stick to the Melbourne Cup, and that's probably about as far as you should take that. But I'm going to probably uh, cock, up, cock this up a little bit. But as I understand in gambling, in poker, you can be playing, and you put in your chip, I'll raise you this, and I'll do this, and I'll raise you this, and I see you that, and i raise you that, whatever. And at some point in the game, sometimes... One of the because no one knows what, 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 what you've got, what hand you've got, what card you've got. Someone will say, <clears throat> sometimes, someone will say, and they'll take all of their chips and they'll go, into the middle of the table, and I'll say, I'm all in. And when that happens, apparently, 
people around them, some people around them will look like, because <gasps> up to now, you know, raise your 100, see your 50, raise your 50, I'm all in. And the reason people gasp and the reason this person doesn't and does go all in is that they know the hand that they've been dealt. They know they're holding a winning hand. Yeah, I know there's bluffing. Don't, please don't email me about stuff. I don't actually care, all right? I don't play poker. There's bluffing. But for the most part, when you've been dealt a winning hand, then to go all in is the only thing that makes sense. Why hold back when you know you've been dealt a winning hand? So Paul says, listen, those of you that are following Jesus, the only thing that makes any sense is for you to go all in. Why in the world would you hold back? You've got the winning hand. And yes, some people around you are gonna go, (gasps) because they don't know the hand you're holding. And by the way, at some point you make a reveal and you show the people around you who previously gasped, the hand that you've been dealt, and they go, <laughs> well played. And that's what we're called to do, to go all in and to make the reveal. And then Paul says, a living sacrifice. And the reason he made this distinction is in that time and in that culture, people in, 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 in synagogues, in temples, would, would take in uh, animals and they would kill them and place the dead animal on the altar. And here's the thing about dead animals. Once you place a dead animal on the altar, it stays there. It kind of gets stuck. And that's fine. Paul says, listen, you need to understand when you do offer yourself as a living sacrifice, be warned <laughs> that living sacrifices can jump off altars. And you've done it. And I've done it. We've made decisions. We've made promises. We've said some stuff to God. God, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna get involved in this. And then when things got uncomfortable, sometimes we go, (coughs) and we sneak off the altar because living sacrifices have the ability to sneak off the altar. You know, sometimes we we sneak off the altar just because stuff got difficult. Stuff got hard, stuff got challenging. Hey, same goes in the gym. Some of you, maybe it's, it's, uh, it's uh, January 1 and you decide, all right, this is it, this is my year. I'm gonna get in shape. And you elbow your way in plus to the gym past all the other people who are there for the first time. And you think, mm-hmm. You've gone out and you've splurged on the Lululemon pants and you've, and you've dusted off the Dunlop volleys and you're, and you're there. And you start with the best intentions. You're there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You've joined and you're going. Wow, what a year. You've connected those two things. Maybe you've cleaned up your eating habits. And, but then after a while, you know, maybe it's like, nah, I don't know. A friend of mine in the States, his son, when he was 15, he, he, he was playing basketball at a reasonably high level at high school, and he had the idea he wanted to go on to college, get a scholarship, play college basketball. So he says to his dad, he's 15, Dad, on Monday, I'm gonna start lifting. I'm gonna go to the, I'm gonna go to the gym, the gym that you joined. I wanna be there Monday. So dad, 5.30 a.m., when you're gonna go to the gym, you come wake me up. So Monday morning, 5.30, knocks on his bedroom Door. Come on, get up, let's go to the gym. Goes to the gym with his dad. 
Tuesday, 5.30, come on, go to the gym, gets up, goes to the gym with his dad. Wednesday, 5.30, come on. And his 15-year-old son says, calls out through the bedroom door, Dad, I'm just not feeling it. And he never went to the gym again. And he never got a college basketball scholarship. (laughs) Because living sacrifices can jump off the altar. Living sacrifices can even sometimes get pushed off the altar, get knocked off the altar. Find yourself trying to stay on the altar, but maybe things are coming against you that push you away. And when that happens, our attitude can get affected. And our attitude can get affected if we don't understand this, that feelings follow focus. One of the things that I want to strongly encourage you to do is memorize this. It's pretty easy to memorize. Memorize this because some people actually think it's the other way around. Make the mistake of thinking that focus follows feelings. I feel a certain way, so that's what I'm going to give my attention to. But the truth is, we can live in such a way that feelings follow Focus. Let me just put you through a little test. And I'm not doing this to call you out. I don't want you to respond. No one's going to even know what your answer is. But here's a question. When something bad happens to you, and, you know, bad, you know, circumstances, somebody, something, disappointment, you know, bad, like just fill in the, the blank of what that might be. When something bad, negative, challenging happens to you, what do you focus on? Because here's what happens. If you choose to focus on the injustice, it's not fair. Try to figure out someone's motives. That bit, E-U-T-C-H. If you focus on the negative, if you focus on the negative, guess what? Feelings follow focus. If you focus on the negative, the injustice, then your feelings are going to be things like anger, self-pity, hopelessness, and maybe eventually defeat if you focus on the negative because feelings follow focus. Well, guess what? If when bad stuff happens, fill in the blank, whatever that is, instead you choose to focus on the nature and the character and the unchangeable God, his promises, his word, your calling, your future, the victory that Jesus has won for you, stuff that God has actually explicitly written in the Bible so that in times of challenge, you can actually focus on that. If you, if you focus on that, then guess what? Because feelings follow focus, your feelings are going to start to look more like faith, Hope, confidence, resilience. Can I go full disclosure here this morning? This isn't being recorded, is it? Good. Uh, <laughs> tell your mate in the UK, got a juicy one for you this week, buddy. 
You know, some Sunday mornings, I, I'm not feeling it. My alarm goes off early, earlier than yours, I absolutely guarantee it. It's a Sunday, I, I get it. But for me, it's a work day. And some Sunday mornings, alarm goes off. And my first thought is, my feelings are, really? Sunday again? God, I call that from my bedroom. God, I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, I mean, right? Unlike Jared, I'm human. This stuff happens to me. By the way, sometimes you, think, you might think I'm picking on Jared when I call him out as not being human, being a cyborg. Let me, I've got a growing body of evidence to prove my theory. In fact, it's fast shifting from a theory to actually provable in court. We had a team briefing here. We had briefed our team prayer for you guys every Sunday morning, 9.30. It was about three months ago. and We were just about to start the briefing and some, someone was saying something and Jared was sitting on the, on the third chair in the, in the front row and he says this. Now, now just... Listen, listen to this. This is, and I quote, Jared says, I wrote the internet. <laughs> he, 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 he didn't say a part of it. He, he didn't say I developed a couple of websites, which, he, no, no. He said, and he said, he just said, poker face, I wrote the internet. And the 30 team members around, look, we all looked at each other and we went, sounds about right. <laughs> And we got on with the meetings. <laughs> I got plenty more where that came from, I can tell you. So here's what I choose to do. On some of the Sundays where I'm just not feeling it, I choose to focus on my calling. This isn't a job. I used to do this for free. Now I get paid, woohoo, bonus. That's a bonus. It's about calling. I get to focus on you and the people that are coming for the first time and say, God, I'm going to get up, even though I'm not feeling it. I'm going to go through my regular routine, which is not very glamorous on a Sunday morning. It's this and it's that. And read through my notes and edit it a little bit last minute and, and pray and, and drink uh, quite a lot of coffee and uh, go and feed the real chickens of Kensington. And it's not very glamorous, but I do that even if I'm not feeling it because I say, God, I'm called. You have a purpose. You've got me in that place and I wanna be used by you. And guess what? By the time I stand up here, sit up here, whatever it is, 1023, the introvert, who by the way, would be very happy to spend weeks at a time, just me and a book and Netflix. And I come here and humans turn up. Humans and Jared turn up and... Uh... <laughs> all, right, all right, that's enough. And guess what? My feelings follow my focus because I chose choose not to focus on not feeling it, but to focus on calling and God and promise and future and purpose and transformation. Now, I'm not talking about denial. Okay, understand that. Our media team will be able to tell you in photography, there is a technique called field of view. So one of the things that you might not even realize it, that will cause you to look at some photos and not bother to look at others, that will cause you to stop the scroll and go, wow, that's a great photo, is the use of field of view. Let me give you an example here. An aerial photograph 
of a baseball field. Now, here's the thing. Probably, unless you're, I don't know, but probably, initially, most of your attention, your focus was drawn to the home plate, the area surrounding it, and then you go, oh, and there's also people there. Oh, and there's also like some stadium lighting. And by the way, if you want to be a real clever dick, you can even see there's some cars on the outside with their headlights on. The cars with the headlights on are there. They're in your field of view. But you have a choice not to focus on them and instead focus on the stuff that really matters. Not the part that really matters. And in our life, there's going to be negative stuff coming at us, bad things happening regularly. Okay? We have a choice. It's one of the things that sets us apart from a Labrador. We have a choice of what we choose to focus on. And feelings follow focus. And Paul goes on and writes this, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Well, there's two slices in this one. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Not only don't respond with your feelings in the way a Labrador does, but actually there should be a tangible, noticeable, almost quantifiable difference between how a follower of Jesus responds with our attitude towards negative, bad stuff that comes at us than the person in the cubicle next to us or the lecture theatre down the road or the house up the street or in our family. There should be a noticeable, tangible, quantified. Don't copy the behaviour and the customs of this world. Bad stuff happens to people who follow Jesus just the same as bad stuff happens to people who aren't following Jesus. But there should be something different in our behaviour and the way we respond to it that causes our attitude, not denial, but because we have a different focus, but not only a different focus, we have access to a transforming power. Let God transform you into a new person. Those of you who are, uh, dare I say, old enough would remember when the Power Rangers first kind of made their way yeah, all the nerds are lighting up right now. Whoa, Power Rangers. <laughs> and by the way, nerds is a compliment. Understand. Most of us work for you. Because <laughs> while we were trying to impress the girls at high school, you were studying and now you own the company. Anyway. <laughs> the very first series, this was sort of a Japanese thing that made its way into the, into the English kind of mainstream. The first series that dropped was called The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Who's willing to know, to own that they remember this? All right, all right, good, good. Oh, yeah, it's good. I, I don't, but God bless you. And uh, it's true. I'm like, what? I had to research this. The Mighty Morphin Power. So what apparently would happen is that when bad stuff would happen, these, these kind of uh, small humans, kind of teenage kind of people, they would, they would say, and I quote, when bad stuff would happen, It's morphin' time, right? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> that word morph is the same root word as the word Paul uses, transform. 
that as followers of Jesus, you and I, when bad stuff happens, rather than just let it roll over us, rather than just let our attitude deflate, rather than respond the way that people that don't know Jesus would respond, rather than respond like a Labrador, you can actually say, God, (laughs) it's morphin' time. Tommy, I took one for the team there, bro. <laughs> Lost all credibility with the jocks. <laughs> and God says, yeah, I've got a power that's going to transform you, that's going to actually allow you to elevate above someone who doesn't yet know that they too can access that power because of what Jesus did when he rose from the grave. Speaking of which, I'm gonna give an opportunity to to those of you who have never actually said to Jesus that you wanna follow him. We're gonna give you that opportunity this morning. And uh, what I want you to do for those of you that say, yeah, well, I've never actually said yes to following Jesus, but I I tell you what, today's the day, great. We're glad you're here. We've prepared things so that you could be here and so that you could hopefully have an open heart to, to what Jesus wants to do. And the number one thing he wants to do is to say, trust me, follow me. And if you've never said yes to him, never said, yes, I wanna follow him, we're gonna give you that opportunity right here, right now. Many of you have, I know, I have, I get it. But if you haven't and today's your day, here's what I want you to do. In a moment, just put your hand up. Just slip your hand up and say, yep, that's me. And when I see your hand, you can put it down and I'll pray for you from just up here. So as I'm looking around, those of you that have never said yes to following Jesus, but today you know is your day, you wanna say yes to make that decision, how about you do? Just slip your hand up and when I see your hand, then you can put it down and then I'll pray for you. We don't wanna miss anybody in this moment with this opportunity this morning. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app. Available wherever you download your apps.